This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to the show. It is Tuesday, it's the 28th of February 2023. And today on the show, the news is in the news. You're listening to Double Time, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Well, that was a rather cryptic start to the show today. Hi, Sean Priest. How are you? Oh, you're such a mystery wrapped up in an enigma. Oh, yeah. God. Well done. Hello, Stephen. How are you? No idea what that means. I'm good. I'm back. I'm back in my little studio. Oh, it's so nice to be back here in my little studio. Do you know what's the best thing ever? Coming into the house, obviously seeing my wife. Well done. Yeah. Good save. <laughs> just, you know that way your brain sometimes just catches up with you just danger, at the last danger. second? Danger, yes. Like, uh, yeah, so, um, yes, uh, my, I saw my wife. We had a wonderful, uh, you know, reuniting ceremony. All right, that's enough. Well, no, look, come on, we've been married for nearly 10 years. It was like, hi, how are you? By the way, the bins need to go out. Um, oh, of course. Well done. And Oh, yeah, the dog mess at the back. Could you fix that? <laughs> and uh, don't ask about the mess upstairs. We'll, we'll talk to the cleaner. <laughs> Fingers crossed on that one. Uh, yeah, so fun and games. Yeah, no, it's nice. It's nice to be back. And, uh, Hang on. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. The what? best thing about coming back was you got sidetracked See my wife, there. obviously. No, no, no. You, no it wasn't. <laughs> no, you were going to say something no, else. I wasn't. I was not going to say anything else. But I will say, what oh, I will say is... Here it is. I... <laughs> <laughs> it was so nice coming back up to my coffee machine. Is that not pathetic? <laughs> I missed my coffee machine of all the things to miss when you're away. Uh, it was so because I don't know what it is, right? I think it's like I've got so used to being at home, and you go away, and it's all your usual routine. You think, oh, I can't do all the things I would normally do. Yes, like, like you make know, a coffee make, every two minutes. No, but, but it, you can get coffee wherever you go, right? But you don't get that coffee. I'm taking that machine with me next time, and I'm taking my my well, pods. I'm sorry, you're and not my making, own mug because I like my you, mug. <laughs> you haven't got one of those posh, you know, milk steaming machines or no. anything. You've got one of those where you just stick a pod in and it just drips water through it. Well, you're yeah, missing. But it's, but it's it's just that type of you, you get used to the taste oh, of your own coffee. It's a bit like oh. your own bed. You know, I saw someone else had. I think Mr. F actually had sent me a message saying, "God bless you, Mr. F." You know what I'm looking forward to most are the feel of my own bed sheets, and that's true. Oh, what a romantic, what a gorgeous poet that man is. God Absolutely. bless you, Mr. F. Yeah, exactly. Also great to see my wife, by the way. Did I mention that? Oh, yes. God bless um, you, Mrs. S. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we're back. and Well, I'm back. You weren't really anywhere. I never left. I don't yeah. know if I've fact, mentioned that before. Can I just say, by the way, some uh, breaking, breaking news? news. Yes, breaking, breaking news. news. Breaking, haven't missed that. Breaking leg news. Yes, so have you hurt yourself again? I have. I I just just for a split second. I just didn't concentrate. I, I easily done. It wasn't my fault. Is what Pathetic. I'm saying. I stepped down the step using the wrong leg. I just didn't think. Why did you? Why are you moving? Where are you going? I meant to move. I meant to. You know. I'm only doing like ten steps a day. I meant to do physio and exercise and keep it active. So walking is the new dying. Didn't you know this? <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> Should put that on a T-shirt. Lovely. Yeah. So um, I, I went upstairs and then I came back downstairs and on the last step I stepped down with my good leg instead of my bad leg. Right. Would and, you just uh, stop moving? Could you just stop moving? It's fine. I didn't do any damage. It just really, really hurt. So. So uh, my my yes. lovely wife, she broke her foot, right? And she she's did. the same as you. She will not sit still. I'm like, could you just could you just sit still? I'll get you anything you like. No, no, no. I need to move. You've broken your foot. Stay still. Well, no, you're no an inspiration listens. to us. You, you, I, I will watch you and, and learn how not to move or walk. Listen, <laughs> I, I have never broken a thing in my life and I don't move. That is the answer to everything. Well done. Take that, O&M instructors. Yeah. We're not moving. Take that, Mr. Uh, and Mrs. Exercise person on Apple Fitness. It's just, it just leads Brown. to harm. I love just that leads name. to harm. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Outside is bad. Stay indoors. 
I, I've been outside now. I had fun. I'm back uh, look, now. now. I'm, I'm never leaving again. I'm desperate to get out there. That's the thing. Well, I'm desperate to walk around to the uh, sandwich shop and get my bacon sandwich. Oh, this but- is the thing, right? Because you've always been the time. I was thinking about this yesterday. Actually. I was actually <laughs> thinking about you yesterday. Not oh, like really? in a weird way. Ah, oh, no, you were. God bless well, you. Well, it was a little bit. Well, it was a bit the weird. The coffee machine, Mrs. S, and then and, me. and then a little priest. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking about um, you know, how you don't like to go out. You like to, to be in the house all the time. And I remember when, you know, mm. we, we were first friends. I remember you used to say, don't go outside. Outside is terrible. It's the worst thing ever. Yes. And then yes. gradually that's transitioned. And I became the one who stays in all the time. And you want to go out all the time. What has happened here? Yeah. I don't like I, Well, actually, I do like this. This has worked out well in my favor. <laughs> it's not working so well for you. We've transferred. It's funny. You gave me nystagmus. Thank you. I, you know, uh, I like I, to give. And I gave you some sort of agoraphobia. Yeah. So it's it not agoraphobia. Was it agoraphobia? Oh, no, that's fear of jumpers, know. isn't it? I don't know. I don't like sheep. jumpers, actually. I, I don't mind sheep. Um, is, this a, is this a game? <laughs> Did I win a Let's llama at the end of this? Hello, listeners. Stay with us. The text, you're honest. Um, wow. Okay, let's move on. Anyway, coming up today, yes, that cryptic clue that I gave at the top. Uh, yes, I'm going to be talking to a regular voice here on AMI. Uh, you will know him as the uh, man who has appeared on shows such as Kelly and Ramia. I think that's all he's been on. But anyway, he's been on there. And <laughs> <Good build up. laughs> he's called Michael Fear. Oh, actually, I think it's Michael Fair. But I prefer it to is. call him Michael Fear because we that makes him sound terrifying. We always call him terrifying. Michael Fear. Yes. It sounds like it's someone cool in, a, in a movie, doesn't it? It does. Don't call Michael Fear. <laughs> I like that. Something in that. Uh, but yes, uh, Michael's going to be joining us later to talk all about this uh new act in Canada, which is causing a bit of controversy. This is the Online News Act. And essentially what's happening is Google have uh, started saying, well, look, you know, we're not going to start paying journalists. (laughs) Why would we do that? We'd rather just take their stories. And um, as a result, you know, they're they're no longer going to be sharing a lot of news sites or at least links through to news sites where original content comes from. So a bit of controversy kicking up. Even the Canadian Prime Minister, personal friend, has uh, got involved with all of this. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we're going to talk about that with Michael today. Um, but I want to get to some other news. Actual. Well, do you know what? No, 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 no. Not breaking news, actually. Oh, Let's use this one. Oh. No, that's not right. Where's the other one gone? Is that Hang on. elsewhere? Hang on. <laughs> nope, that's ER. I don't know. What... <laughs> oh, it's good to have you back, Steve. I, I don't know where my other oh, one's I've gone. You. Someone's been playing with this while I've been away. <laughs> I told them, leave it alone. Press another one. Uh... You don't day. know what's going to play next. Oh, that's, just, that's just the intro, right? No, that's ah. no use. I don't know where it is. Anyway, ah. I had one that said developing story, because that's what this is. Professionals. Hang I'm on. so sorry, Hang Mr. On. F. Do, 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 do. Developing story. Ah, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good enough. Well done. There you go. Yes. Close enough. Could save a fortune. Uh, right, so Apple apparently are working on the AR VR headset we've been hearing about, but more importantly, technology to help people with eye diseases. Sean Priest. Uh, sorry? Well, yep. I, okay, give me more. I'm interested. So this, this is a scant detail, I have to tell you, oh, coming out scant. of Mark Gurman's latest issue of his Power On newsletter. According to him, Apple has a special team, uh, the Moonshot team, as it's being nicknamed. I think the official term is XDG team, whatever that stands for. Exploring next generation display technology, AI, and options for future AR VR headsets that will assist those of us with visual impairments. Now, it says that there's no detail yet. What? XGT. No, it's XDG. What? Next with the X, generation display. Surely it should be the other way. I I, I don't know what it stands for. Okay. All right. And All to right. be perfectly honest, I couldn't care less. Okay, so here's, right. the, here's the here's the absolute no detail I have here. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> no detail available at all. However, here's the rumour, because I love rumours, and so do you. So I don't normally get into the rumours, but this one's interesting to us. Uh, so it says that Apple could have, in development, and of course, because of accessibility, always being part of the company, aiming it's, as it says here in this article, making everything accessible with lots of accessibility settings. The rumours suggest the first version of this headset will have more than a dozen cameras, several of which will be used for mapping the area around the user. And the functionality could allow the headset to project extra visual information to those who are legally blind or illegally blind, potentially. Yes. What happens if you're illegally blind? You go to prison. Okay. Rightly Uh, so. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it's a disgrace, frankly. Yes. Um, but for those who are legally blind or who have other visual problems, it could potentially provide audio directions to those with no sight. So it says that there could be targeted, uh, this could be targeted at people with diseases like AMD, age-related macular degeneration, which causes blind spots in the vision. Other companies have been doing this for a while, and they use those Oculens AR, for example, which have been described as being able to use floating lenses to modify real-time streaming video to move objects into an area that people suffering from AMD can see. Oh, I hate that one to write that, suffering from AMD. You don't suffer from it. You live with it. Oh, come on. Some yeah, I don't like when they say suffering. It. Anyway. All right. Um, so it says Apple's first... Where's this from? Mac rumours, right? Okay. Do better. That's what they say, isn't it? Do better. Leave me alone. Okay. Apple's first AR VR headset is set to come out this year, and while we haven't heard the news of specific accessibility settings, it stands to reason that even the first model will have some accommodations based on Apple's deep interest in accessibility. Do you know what? I remember when LiDAR came out, and one of the first things that came out was a feature from uh, as a result of LiDAR for visually impaired people, and that was people detection. Yes. Which was great, because I mean, I could start avoiding people. I yeah. I that feature. Of course you do. Um, but, you know, I, I think this is interesting to see if they, they could do this. There's been talk of them being able to manipulate the screen so that essentially the, the screens can be adjusted or, I guess, float in some virtual way to enable someone. Now, for you, for example, with RP, having that tunnel vision. Yes. That's exactly what you want. You almost want to shrink that screen right down and put it right in your put point in of the focus. Middle. Yeah. Yes, well, I would have done. Doesn't wouldn't work for me now, but no, yeah, absolutely no. And people with AMD may have central. Um, well, that's what it means, uh, and only have fair peripheral vision, and they would want it to the side. So yeah, absolutely. But why? Okay, is this being hinted? I know we got no real fact here. Is this being aimed as a standalone product? Surely this would be part of the AR slash VR headset. Oh yeah, no, this is this would be part of it, and I think this will just become. I think like everything else Apple does, they will provide a platform with the technology built in and then it'll be up to application developers. You know, I'm thinking about companies like eSight here. I'm thinking about other co- – there's lots of companies oh, actually, they will eSight be nervous. for one. Yes. Well, nervous, yes, but then if they're smart about it, they'll get involved in this early and they'll start thinking, well let's, well, let's build an app. Let's build the eSight app. Oh, come on. They've got so much invested in the actual hardware here. Uh, yeah, the, but look the- how much money they could save. Right, I mean, you could save so much money in all that R and D and and all that yeah, hardware production. Yeah, but it's built in as a system app anyway, as a system function into the Apple headset. Well, then they're screwed. Why would you bother? You know, <laughs> basically they've been Sherlocked. I believe it's called. Yeah, that's right. Like yeah, so many other in. companies and industries out there, Apple would just simply uh, you don't need them anymore. It's a, it's a shame, but um, uh, yeah, but again. You mentioned there are dozens of cameras built in. Mm. Now, everything we've heard so far um, is that Apple will try and forego using any cameras for privacy concerns. Well, but, yeah, but we're talking oh, about a VR headset, right? And, of course, oh, VR headsets do have cameras in them in order to map the area in front of you. So that essentially... It's, well, you know, it depends. You you mentioned mapping. And when we're talking about mapping, especially in 3D space, then they're talking about LiDAR, not cameras. No, I think uh-huh. I think you're, you think you're thinking of the wrong thing because we're talking. No, you are. We're not, we're not talking about glass here. We're talking about VR. So this is not. This is the problem with this product. It, this is why, as much as I love what Apple might be doing here, and of course I'm interested, and yes, I'll probably want to buy one, especially if it's got accessibility in it. Probably. Um, yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Of course you will. Of course. So. <laughs> Hi, what's that? Five easy payments on Amazon? Yes, please. Um, <laughs> But honestly, if this is, you know, if this is a VR headset, it's indoors. You're not going to walk around with this. And that's the bit that I'm confused about with this project and this product, because is it something you can walk around with outside or is this purely for gaming? I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but last week when I was away, I was uh, I saw a story where Apple had held a press conference at their, at their place, at their own, I think it was actually in their own Cupertino office, and it was with press showing how they were developing in the world of gaming. And I thought, oh, that's right. a bit weird. Yeah. Because Apple, it's not the company you would think of when it comes to gaming. No. And I, I think you might remember me saying on this show many times, you know, if, if VR's coming out, how is that going to play into Apple's ecosystem? Because it's not, you know, what, you're going to play Frogger or Crossy Road? Crossy Road, come on, get with the in times. VR? Frogger. I mean, <laughs> 
I mean, really, that's that's not what I imagine from Apple, right? I, and and there's lots of talk, and there's lots of rumor about what will be in this headset and how it will work. There's talk about air typing. You know, you'll type in the air using your eyes and all this stuff. It all sounds totally unusable. Yeah, ridiculous. I, I, how any of that's going to work? Just stick a Siri button on the side so we can dictate. You know, that's all I'm interested in. <laughs> but you know, th- there are questions over how this will work and will this become essentially the next and it's not that this look i have to be honest this is not going to be first generation i think third fourth even fifth generation this might be the beginnings of the replacement of the phone itself and i think apple are not the only company aiming to do this they want to move away yeah. from a rectangle in their hand to the world in front of you absolutely right open. but they always I, I, want to be in front of your face simple as that yeah but i just don't understand how that's going to work through a vr headset in are people really going to walk around with this on their face all day? I just, I can't understand this concept. That's why we need to no. finally and, see it. And like you said, when you think of Apple, you don't think of a gaming company or games uh-huh. at all, right? So a VR headset mainly at the moment is aimed at gaming. Uh, the PS2, um, no, the PS VR2 has just been released. The, the new second gen virtual reality headset for PS2, uh, the PlayStation, and apparently absolutely amazing and it, it, it that's the niche that's the thing with vr it is gaming and if apple have managed to get that technology down where you are slipping on a pair of glasses or sunglasses like the google glass you could argue mm. where it's not a big headset absolutely but i don't think they're they can be anywhere near that yet i, I will have to wait and see the, the i think that's between, a safe assumption because i think yeah, that there's a lot vr of- vr is totally enclosing your vision yeah. in a computer screen ar is you know putting digital over the real world so have they got that technology yet see-through lenses with uh, which are able to you know have digital images on them i don't know maybe and you know you look at the project with oculus and meta and what they've done now, since that project was launched, I've heard virtually nothing, virtually nothing about anything to do with that project. I mean, even even reviews, I've seen a few reviews come out. People have said, yeah, it's great, it's really interesting. But I haven't had any update stories. I haven't had people saying, wow, this is the greatest thing I must have. You know, this this VR thing they're all aiming at, it just doesn't seem to be kicking. It just, it's not taking off. Now you think, I have no idea what the metaverse is at the moment. Well, well the still, metaverse still is one no thing, idea. but you still get the gaming and everything that goes with it. And even yeah, but then, not, I not just, on the metaverse, you don't. No, well, not well, with meta with the headset. You do. I mean, you can play games with it. I mean, that's all you can. Point. You can. Yes. I mean, that's at, at least that's the whole point at the moment until the metaverse becomes a thing. But really, the metaverse is just a massive field with you standing in the middle of it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but if you look at other ones like the uh, HTC Vives or the Steam headset, for example, or the Oculus, my daughter's got an Oculus up there that she connects to her gaming rig and uh, she loves it, right? Th- those are very much gaming. They are aimed at gaming and that is it. The Do we meta- not hear anything because people are just immersed? <laughs> is that the problem? No, well, it's, it's still incredibly niche. These things aren't cheap and you need no. a hell of a gaming rig to actually power these things unless we're talking about something i believe you've got the quest haven't you in the quest 2 headset yeah, which quest was a standalone two. basically powered by the same thing that's in you know your your android phone yeah but but standalone and that was really popular uh because of it was standalone you didn't have to outlay a three thousand dollars on a gaming you know computer so i i think it is it's still got possibilities but i still think it is very much in the gaming arena I want to mention another story that's coming out from Mobile World Congress, which is underway in Barcelona at the moment. And this is a new project from Nokia, which is called the Immersive Voice Project. I don't know if you've heard Ooh, about this. No. What they've done is they've taken Nokia's, what they call their industry-leading spatial audio processing capabilities, and they've built it into mobile communication, live mobile communication for the first time. So it turns a voice call into a more intimate shared experience that feels like a normal face-to-face conversation. So it puts the person in front of you. If you're having a group call, it will put people around you. So it's the it's the first step, really, I think, in actually creating the technology that takes voice communication to the next level. Instead of it just being mm-hmm. a call and someone in your left ear, you know, if we're all wearing AirPods or we're all wearing, you know, whatever headsets we're wearing that have got spatial audio capabilities, then it will give us a much more immersive experience in voice. That does sound pretty cool. This seems... Oh, st- terrible. Oh, oh I mean, come what a on. waste of Here time. Who cares? 
That's what you're expecting me to say. No, since using Clubhouse and their spatial audio, when they added that a few updates ago, um, I thought it was really impressive. I love it when you go into a room and you hear like people sounding like they're all all around you. Yeah. So if you could do that in a, a call, yeah, fantastic. Why not? I just find, you know, it's a bit like Wi-Fi, high-def calling. Um, not everyone supports it. And it, it, it. Look, the majority of people I talk to on the phone is always just that terrible telephone quality. Mm-hmm. And that's just what you've come to expect. So, yeah, it'd be great if everyone picked it up. So good I remember in the early days of the pandemic and everyone was on Teams meetings and they used to have these meetings where I worked. Where you, you know, just get-togethers after work. So you'd have, you know, like half past four or five o'clock, uh, drinks and nibbles, you know, obviously bring your own drinks and nibbles and, and sit in an empty room, you know, and sit with a bunch of, you know, 300 voices shouting at you on Teams. It was That's great. Lovely. It was the best experience I'd ever had. <laughs> and... um you know, I remember thinking at the time, you know, the problem here is that you just cannot have a conversation with someone because it's as if you are standing in the middle of a circle of people and the only person who speaks has to be thrust into the middle of that circle. Then you speak and everyone hears you and then someone might respond, but then they have to stand in the middle of the room and you yes. go, well, it just seemed like that. And this immersive experience approach, I'm thinking about, for example, the way that FaceTime now do this visually on screen. They've got... You know, when someone's speaking, it actually brings their their video front and centre to the call, and then it kind of drifts back when the next person starts speaking. In an audio sense, especially in meetings, that would be really cool because imagine if you said, "Hey, Sean, how you doing?" and you've got maybe a thousand people in the room or a hundred people in the room, and you could just say to someone, "Hey, you know, come over here a sec, just to tell you this," and then you could do that. You could actually just have a conversation in a room whilst other yeah. people are having their conversation. And yeah, they could hear you. Because that's the way it would work in a real room, right? That's not, that sounds I think amazing, that but that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. Okay, no, well, you heard it here first. Practically, how could you do that? I mean, how could you... You, you, you could have select to, someone. You'd have to maybe select, select someone Select someone, private conversation, but not private, just, you know, away yeah, in a just corner a, just somewhere. A, you know, corner side con- chat or, oh, come you know, on. No, look, this is coffee. all about... I'll meet everyone's... you at the water cooler. <laughs> I think, as I said, I think Clubhouse does it really well with their spatial audio. Yeah, they do. They do. But the, the only problem I find with it is it's not really it's 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 not it's positional. Pseudo. It's fake. Yeah, yeah. No, they, because they, they kind of drift across, wherever. don't you? They kind of drift across from left to right as they kind of come well, in. Well, they're and walking out. across to the buffet. Obviously, obviously, yes. That's use totally your imagination. Right. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Um, YouTube. <laughs> I think that I feel this story's been out already, but tell me if I'm wrong. YouTube are now officially rolling out its multi-language audio tracks feature. Maybe it was just in beta when we talked about it last time. But I do remember discussing this story. This is a multi-language audio track feature to its global content user base. Uh, the feature, uh, it says, which was previously in testing and only available to select creators, allows YouTubers to upload multiple different audio tracks to a single video. This, of course, means that as well as different languages, we can now get audio description tracks through YouTube as well. So that's hey, quite interesting. Yeah. Audio. Yes, fantastic. Mr. Beast has promised that every video he releases from now on will have 11 language options on it, audio tracks. He's getting them all dubbed in lots of languages. That's amazing. And um, yeah, it obviously opens it up for audio description, which would be fantastic. The other big story of the day, of course, is Google and news. We're going to get into that next. Michael Fair joins us here on Double Tap next. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. And let's get into our big story of the day. Of course, big news from Canada. And it all affects news uh, because ultimately what's happening, Sean, is in Canada, uh, we're starting to see what happened in Australia, where Google are being forced to pay journalists and news organizations for the ability to show their news on the Google site. Now, you can argue the rights and wrongs of that, but, you know, it's an interesting one. Of course, Google have reacted to this already. The new law coming in in Canada, the Online News Act, 
Uh, Google are taking it rather seriously and they're starting to block some people on some news sites. Now, with us to talk about all this is uh, Michael Fear. Now, you'll know him from the uh, Kelly and Ramia show, of course. He's also the author of a very well-known book around uh, access to smartphones and he's even now doing a course on the subject as well as a result of it. Michael's got a lot to tell us. Hi, Michael. Hello. Good to have you here on Double Tap. And uh, we're going to get into that course you're doing. Now, who's the course for the Canadian... It's uh, for the Canadian Council of the Blind. They have right. a getting together with technology section in particular, and they're the ones that are uh, facilitating the course. And uh, I basically am going through roughly in the order of the book, the guidebook that I wrote and, and gave away free uh, last, uh, God, it's been a while already, uh, <laughs> April or something, I published the thing. <laughs> and uh, the second edition of that, and, uh, and people just thought, oh, could you teach a course on it? And I I hadn't really planned on doing that when I wrote the book. So it is requiring some additional work on my part to keep it going. But we're sort of getting into the thick of it now um, with uh, getting into iOS. I've, I've covered, uh, given a brief tour of voiceover uh, in two lectures. We're doing one lecture a month and then uh, uh, a, a sort of a ask anything section in the, in the middle of the month, the third week of every month. And uh, hopefully that will allow people to sort of get a good grasp of what they can do with their iPhones and how it all works at a, a good pace that lets them learn and try things out and not feel trapped by where we are in in the order of the book because they can always bring their questions in the, in the middle sections. Okay, we're going to get into that a bit more because I want to find out where you can get the book and also if we can get part, you know, be part of this course as well. Not not us necessarily, but, you know, talk about other people who obviously, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, I still <laughs> could do with it probably. I'm, I have no yes. doubt. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, let's let's get to that in a minute, because I want to get to our big story of the day, of course. And uh, that is the news that I uh, just caught as uh, I was leaving Vienna. I found this rather interesting uh, to learn all about uh, Google blocking news content in reaction to a Canadian bill, a government bill that would compel the tech giant to pay publishers in Canada for news content. What have you heard about this story so far? Well, I kind of know more about the the background of this, I guess, in terms of what what's resulted. Like these tech giants, they're using, they're benefiting essentially from everyone wanting to draw people's attention to different articles that are online uh, posted by news organizations. And the argument seems to be that you know they should, if they're benefiting, like Google is is being used a lot, you know, by people looking for news looking for what about this or that topic, right? And instead of looking at one source, it gives you a smorgasbord of relevant results that you then you know, benefit from and hopefully get a broader perspective from. So uh, you know, that obviously having that content uh, available to immediately link people to is, is earning Google and other tech giants big money. And journalists aren't seeing any of that. They, you know, they're not getting anything from that, except what they get off of, of traffic coming directly to their sites. So that's kind of where things were. And Canada basically wants to have journalism uh, in general uh, supported by the money coming in from these big tech giants and how people are using them. And uh, you know, the, the companies obviously don't want to pay this money. Um, it, and uh, there's, and I guess what's happened now is Australia has found uh, has negotiated, gotten to a settlement. Uh, Google, uh, I've read that it is willing to pay a fund that would indirectly pay uh, you know, publishers, but doesn't want to pu pay publishers directly themselves. That, that seems to be where they're at now. And they're, they're now testing uh, to block uh, Canadians from accessing some any news sites uh, directly from their sites. Like they can't block you going to cbc.ca and searching there, uh, obviously, but they can uh, not allow you to sort of pass from their site to the article you might have found on CBC via Google, right? So that's that's kind of, as I understand it, that's what's happening to people. Uh, they're being blocked from doing that. So uh, that's that's kind of where, as far as I can see, things are now. Uh, I, of course, hope we get to some sort of negotiated settlement because that, that's a big loss to everyone. If, if it really goes down this, this road, uh, we're, we're going to – unfortunately, it's going to benefit 
the illegitimate sources of disinformation and uh, you know th- and they're only too happy to have people you know of course be able to go directly to them through Google <laughs> and I, I worry about the effect that's going to have uh, if, if, if some settlement isn't found. This story is so confusing to me, Michael. I, that, as you said, this has happened before in Australia and in France as well. This happened. I can't quite remember the outcome in France, but this is saber rattling from Google, right? This is this is saying, hey, if this bill goes through, this is what's going to happen. This is uh, Google have have said this will affect a selection of Canadians. I think the number given out was one million. So it's not that everyone's going to be affected by this right now. This is Google saying this is going to be what happens if this bill goes through. So there is a little bit of, um, you know, look what I can do to this. But I am slightly confused by what what is the problem here? Obviously, journalism right now is so hard to make, to make a living from. But so I'm thinking something like a Google search. If you search for a new story, you get a list of different sources. And when you click on that, you are taken directly to the source, the original source of that story, New York Times or whatever it may be. Now, that's where the advertising comes in or the paywall comes in, and that's where they make their money. So I'm not entirely sure where the problem is with what are Google getting and how are they profiting from um, a journalist's work or articles? Well, a couple of things immediately, I guess, is, is they're advertising themselves. So when you're searching, uh, there there's advertising happening on Google sites. So I guess they're indirectly benefiting from you being interested in that content and then seeing advertising perhaps before you go to before you before you make a choice and go to whatever content you've picked. So that would be one thing. Uh, And there are sort of snippets, there are things like you can read partial, uh, you know, blurbs about each article enough to, of course, hopefully get you to click to go there. Right. So I, I suppose you could get information kind of that way uh, in a limited basis. But, uh, you know, I, I guess what they're saying is, you know, Google is be, by being that resource that that helps you find these critical these articles the, that are relevant to your interests. Like it's it's benefiting from the work of all those journalists, all those news organizations that are putting in the time researching, developing that content. Uh, so I guess that's where, as far as I understand it, that's the argument that, that, you know, Google should be paying something to support journalists and, and news organizations uh, because they are direct, directly and massively benefiting from the ability to just share links, to share, you know, content, uh, between people, uh, you know, from these sites, you know, it's easy to say, oh, just Google this phrase or, or, you know, yeah. provide a link from a Google result to your friends who can then go see the article or you can tweet it or post it on social media. Uh, and most people will gravitate to Google because it's just gotten that monopolistic king of data position. Well, yeah, uh, but I think it's more than that, Michael. I think it's because what's happening is when you search for something, and I remember watching last week tonight with John Oliver, a fantastic show on HBO, which uh, he uh, he kind of broke this all down, not so much around news, but more around Google itself as an organization and how Google search actually works. And he was showing that, and you should go back, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere, go back and watch it. But it's really interesting to find that most of the results that Google gave you meant you never really had to leave Google's site. You could get most of, if not all, the information from Google's site. So you could stay within that world. And that's kind of the problem here. It's not so much that you mean you're talking about the the links, Sean. You're saying, oh yeah, you know, you can click on the link and it'll take you to the original source. Yes, you can do that. But also, if you can just get the information from Google's site, you might never need to go any further. I know myself. I was searching for some information about Mobile World Congress, which is on this week, and you know, the information. All I was looking for really were the dates it was on. I mean, when does it run until? And I got that from Google's site. I didn't have to go to the MWC site, even though I was on the link. I didn't have to go there because all the information was in there. So this is the problem with Google. It, well, it's kind of allowing you to... Well, and, and you know, you think about the featured snippet on the web thing, you know? You can yeah. get information. If I say, how do I do this? And there's a four-step process. That's in the featured snippet from the web. I don't yeah. have to go to the website. So the website never gets attributed at all for the, the work they've done. 
essentially Google are they're not stealing it, but they're making well, they, it easier to access, yeah, and that's a the, problem. Is it a problem, or could the argument be made that, that as a search engine doing its job very well? Well, I mean, if you do if you do that, and you have enough information that that is plucked from work that others have done, but you never have to click on that link to go to that site, then you're dealing with a situa- situation where it is theft of information at that point, because now you're dealing with information that, that people don't even have to make that click, which is how the internet measures engagement. Uh, so that other resource never gets you know, the click. I, yeah, and, I, to- you know, I totally if- get that. Yeah. I mean, I mean Justin Trudeau, who's the Prime Minister, of course, uh, in Canada, he said, it really surprises me that Google have decided that they would rather prevent Canadians from accessing news than actually pay journalists for the work they do. He says, I think that's a terrible mistake. And I know many Canadians expect journalists to be well paid for the work they do. And that's at the bottom of all of this. That's at the heart of all of this, really, is that, you know, essentially journalists are doing their job and the Internet has made it harder and harder for journalists to be paid. And like you said earlier, Michael, there is a challenge here around disinformation because those people, well, they don't really care how the information gets out there, right? They just want the information out there. And and those people are not going to be creating the kind of content that, you know, someone from the New York Times is going to be creating. And, and, you need, the, and, and, and you know, the, covering the kind of stories that the New York Times is going to create. You know, do you know what I mean? It's just they're not going to have the kind of ability. We're going to lose what is brilliant about journalism, which is what we need in order to fight back against half this nonsense we hear today. Well, plus they're they're being paid to pro- promulgate, you know, disinformation, misinformation. And, you know, because of that, they, they're they all too happy for Google to, you know, give whatever, right? Take, yeah. you know, it doesn't, they're, doing, they're not, uh, you know, operating with journalistic constraints, uh, rules around how you craft articles, uh, that that are published through mainstream journalism, all the fact finding, fi- the fact checking that happens. Uh, you know, I've I've heard some of of what happens behind the scenes as as legitimate organizations get stuff ready to publish, and there is a process. It's it's not just slap it together and send it just before deadline. It there's there's things well, a bit that of that happen as well. <laughs> Yeah. That's a bit of that as well sometimes. <laughs> I think yeah. it's fair to say as well, I was trying to be uh, like sort of play devil's advocate there, but when it comes to Google, there's other services as well, not just the search engine. I'm thinking now of something like Google Alerts, which can create an RSS feed based on keywords and specific places to search or sections of the internet, such as news groups or wherever, and then sends you, you know, the headline uh, and excerpts of the article itself and sends you a whole... RSS feed of that stuff, in which case that is, does start to feel slightly unfair. But then what is the system we put in place? Is it the same as we do for, you know, music where everyone gets a royalty or is it, I, I don't know how you would, how you would do that. It's such a That's, huge undertaking. Yeah, that is the real challenge. And I, I guess that is what the, this bill is kind of trying to, to start to try and, and take like what's happening now is is the tech giants are taking all the the profits. There's no regulations kind of around that as much. So I, I'm hoping that what we end up with was some sort of deal that that still gives us the functionality of go here, find the information as quickly and easily as possible. Because that is that is magic. That is so yeah, but that's, valuable. that's where the problem begins, isn't it? That that is that, that it was a slow mission creep. With Google yeah. on this one, you know, it started off with just links and it would take you somewhere and that was it. Whereas now what Google has become is a fully fledged content source in itself. And that is often the problem. You could watch a video, um, you know, without even going to YouTube. I mean, I know Google and YouTube are the same. So that's a bad example. But, you know, you could essentially get a video uh, piece of content without having to leave the site. You can get, like I say earlier, you know, you, if you typed in a, you know, what's a four-step guide to do this or X or Y, you you could get that information up there. I mean, it's interesting because there are clearly stats on this because, and I'm reading a bit of reporting on this, the Canadian news industry has clearly been seeing financial losses grow while companies like Google, and we should say Facebook as well, it's not exclusively Google here, um, steadily gaining greater market share of online advertising income. 
And that's because that's where the eyes and the ears are. And that's the problem. The money's going there and it's not going to the journalists who create the content. Now, that's not fair. And all these journalists, I think, are looking for, and certainly this this law is looking to achieve, is to say, share out some of this money. Share out, you know, if you want to keep doing what you're doing, I don't think there's a major concern there. And I think that's the that's the bottom line to this. It's 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 not that we want to stop Google doing what they do, but it needs to be fairer to the places where the content is created. And there's also data uh, concerns as well. Like Google, of course, can get data on what people are clicking on, what's being shared, mm-hmm. uh, especially if, if the people are allowing them to track across uh, the web, across links uh, and apps and such. It, like you, you can opt out of that on, on Apple, uh, most famously, <laughs> right when they brought in those those rules that say you had to allow people to opt out of that kind of tracking, but that's how a lot of this of Google's data gets generated, and that they they can then use that for other purposes uh, in, internally. So it's it, it's part of how they get their advertising revenue is is by being that data provider for different companies, and uh, you know that's that's I guess another concern. Is is the whole privacy of user data and things like that, and, and happily that's being addressed. So now, if we can get to the point where <laughs> journalists are fairly compensated, uh, then I, I guess in theory we're we're in a better place and uh, able to to carry on to whatever the next crisis for these tech giants will be. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, it's, there's so much happening in terms of, of psychology. I was listening to something this weekend about Facebook and how it was using data to to test, to basically conduct psychological experiments and uh, manipulating feeds and things like that. So there's there's a lot of this going on behind the scenes. Honestly, spend five, spend an hour of your day and watch the social dilemma on Netflix. It is uh, such yes, an I, enlightening documentary. It really is. That I mean, was. It, it would almost make yeah. you never want to pick up a smartphone again. If I <laughs> yep. throw it in the river, it would probably be a good uh, follow-up to that. I, mean, honestly, I bet you had your smartphone in your hand as you were watching. It. Yeah, and of course, yeah, I'm, never, sure. and I'm never going to throw my smartphone in the river because no. I'm not an idiot. Um, but, you know, also, I should say that Facebook have raised concerns about this legislation in Canada as well, and it says it might even be forced to block news sharing on its own platform in Canada as well. The legislation so far has passed Canada's House of Commons in December, and is currently in the unelected upper chamber of the parliament, which rarely blocks legislation, the lower house clears. So this is going to come in, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think the bigger question here, we're obviously talking specifically about Canada, we're talking about this particular legislation, but this is all going to change again with AI. I mean, I don't know if you've been following this whole chat GPT story, Michael, and what's going on with AI and OpenAI and, and, of course, Google with its Lambda project and all the rest and BARD, all these AI projects that are coming in that are doing the same thing, right? They're taking sources online and they're presenting them. And actually, in a way, it's it's a little bit more vague because they're not... I think Bing is certainly providing sources. We know that. It is providing access to sources. And the initial examples we saw of AI where you would ask a question and it would come back with an answer. It was not citing sources. And that's a dangerous road Oof. to go down because it's, that's even worse. Yeah. You have no idea where the content is coming from. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, I, I guess with that, I haven't used the chat, uh, the chat service yet, but I've, I've heard a lot about sort of how it's, it's starting to, the, the worrisome trend of, of everything from, you know, from using it to write essays uh, in school, like cheat your your school courses mm-hmm. to all sorts of stuff that's starting now, and uh, and of course now we have the whole voice actors versus Apple's uh, use of of their voices to train yes. AI narrators that could replace them. Like that, <laughs> yikes! Like this is getting. I hope we get regulations in so that that this can be sort of managed. You know, uh, hopefully with people first rather than big dollars first, because th- this is uh, this is kind of getting we're getting into pretty uh, pretty scary territory. Um, yeah. Michael, before we let you go, I want to ask you a bit about the work you've done because you did now, remind us of the book that you wrote. I remember hearing about this back at the time, and yes, uh, it was great. I I wrote a book, uh, Personal Power: Getting the Most from iOS as a Totally Blind User. And it's it's the second edition now. Uh, it took took a number of years 
to do the first edition and then another couple of years to do the second. Uh, I've done it because a lot of people have these iPhones, these massively powerful gadgets, and they don't know, like no one's taught them, especially if you're just coming at this getting started as a blind user. No one points you in the directions you need to go to find which apps are accessible for one uh, and, and worth your time uh, learning uh, and how to, how to use VoiceOver. Uh, Apple doesn't have a tutorial for VoiceOver built in. I've advocated for that a lot. And I can't do it for them, but I can at least do a book that will hopefully help people get started with these devices and really get the most out of them, really, you know, because I cover everything. It's not just the iPhone and the apps on it. It's third-party apps that are really notably accessible and good so that your initial experience is finding apps that you can use. And uh, in having that positive, wow, I can do so much with this device that I had, uh, you know, thanks to Apple this, thanks to, to other giants whose shoulders I'm standing on and, and were available back when I started my journey. So I wanted to pass that forward. And uh, hopefully we got more people now uh, knowing more about these devices that are so ubiquitous and so able to change uh, our lives as blind people in so many different ways. You know, I, I use my camera, which that was, I never thought I'd use something like that camera uh, in my iPhone, but I use it every day to determine whether my ear, uh, hearing aids are charging properly in their charger because it's not accessible. So, <laughs> you yeah. know, there are things like that, that it's, it's just so, so useful. And I wanted to make sure that, that other people were enjoying these devices as much as possible, that it wasn't a lack of information stopping them from from going farther and uh you know and, and discovering the joy of these these devices and uh the, the book is what i call the price of scottish joy which is free yes yeah right excellent it, it <laughs> <What>? is <laughs> that's what scottish joy is whenever you go anywhere someone says it's free oh i'm happy i mean don't get me wrong i'll be miserable again in 10 seconds but for at least <laughs> a, at least ten moment. seconds, I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just I I was lucky <laughs> enough to have a lot of really helpful people who never stopped me and said, "Hey, pay me twenty bucks and I'll help you out of this mess." Right when I was learning the ropes, so mm-hmm. I would have felt ill at ease if I charged for for something that I essentially got, you know, pretty freely. Uh, people have been pretty generous with their time, helping me out of scrapes, and. Uh, you know, I had a very uh, good friend that uh, that uh, had, uh, unfortunately, uh, John Morgan has passed away. Um, he was, his help was, and in, in his attitude, he was helping people towards the end of his life. Uh, and uh, he, he never stopped. He, he would always do that. So I, I get a lot of inspiration from how he lived. And that thanks to some help he gave my wife and I over the years, uh, I've been able to explore by try things i wouldn't have done on my own uh ch- check out more apps uh than i could have otherwise and put this thing together so that people have that to draw upon and uh you know hopefully help them from you know you know help them to decide uh you know use their money a bit more wisely and and choose apps that are are better for them than they could, than, than they might have otherwise buy an iphone se there you go. Save yourself a fortune. <laughs> Second hand. Deal done. Uh, and what about the course, Michael? Because that, that was an interesting follow-up from all this. Yes, and I, I really didn't expect to do that. Uh, it was one of those things. I finished the book. I published it. And then I was asked, hey, um, could you do a course based on this book? Uh, and I'm like, oh. Is, is hmm, it at that well, point you said, sure, how much? Well, no. I, I just thought, okay, it, how possible would this be? Because I really didn't have that in mind when I wrote the book. And, uh, so I thought about it and I thought, okay, I can, uh, you know, they had the summer to prepare basically. And, uh, they, uh, wanted it's, it's a GTT, uh, get it, get together with technology of, uh, CCB Canadian council for the blind. Uh, they are facilitating this course and, uh, basically in any it's, uh, they're, uh, they've got a zoom room and they're providing that. Uh, and I do, Basically, once once a month, I do a lecture that's recorded as a podcast. So if you get the CCB podcast, uh, you'll be able to hear those. And uh, also, I do uh, a chat session at the third week of every month. And that's where anyone can ask about anything that they're doing with iOS. And I try to answer their questions and help them along with wherever they are. 
And that way we'll end up with a, a series of podcasts that really take you from the beginning right up through uh, advanced stuff, playing games, shopping online, using the camera and all the different apps, reading on the iPhone, uh, internet radio. I, I basically cover uh, not only how to do things, but what you can do with, with the right apps. And I think that's really important to, you know, for, for blind people to really have a sense of is, yeah. is what, why you're doing this, why you're learning how to use this flat object with no buttons on it. Uh, <laughs> right. Like why, why is this such a coveted device among blind people? And, uh, so I'm taking you right from square one, right up to hopefully, uh, a good level of confidence and you'll be able to pick and choose what you focus on, uh, what you, you spend, what's worth your time to, to learn how to do. Amazing. Sounds fantastic. Now, how do we get the book and how do we find more out more about the course? Who can get so, involved, essentially? The book is on my blog, michaelfair.blogspot.ca. And uh, F is Frank, E-I-R. Uh, there are links to it uh, from a, def- a bunch of different pa- uh, places. Uh, but the blog, uh, the, the top entry in that blog, it will get you to the book and uh, – it will. Uh, you, you can get uh, Personal Power, the second edition. Uh, it's in a Google folder, so that's where I put it up to pe- for people to download uh, directly from there. Um, let's let's and, hope they keep it there after this interview, right? Yes, and they can also <laughs> contact me directly. <laughs> Don't uh, they're deleting after we've just what we've just yeah. said about them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if you do have trouble with with the uh, Google folder, which some people have, they can email me directly, michael.fair at gmail.com and uh, happy to send an attachment copy of the book uh, to people who need that. Amazing, Michael. Really good to talk to you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on, telling us about the the news about the, this Canada Online News Act. It's very interesting to learn about. And of course, the, the the reaction already from companies like Google and Facebook. Very, very interesting. Clearly rattling cages. Like it. Yes. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, Michael. Yeah, pl- absolute pleasure. Always happy to do it. And of course, you can hear more of Michael on Kelly and Ramia regularly on AMI-audio, AMI-tv as well. And that's it for us today, Sean. Very interesting story there on the subject of news. Absolutely. Like that. Um, We'll get back into more tomorrow as we continue here on Double Tap. Catch you then. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.